This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... Kyler This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles! He is Houdini! Touchdown! Patrick Mahomes with a rope! Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. Back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Bubble. With me, as always, is my co-host Dylan Reagan. And uh, Dylan, we've got an exciting guest uh, on the show here with us today. And uh, we've been talking about football all season long. We're talking about all these guys on the field. Well, finally, we actually uh, get someone on here with us uh, for the first time here this offseason. So Dylan, I'll let you uh, introduce him as uh, I know he is someone that a lot of people who listen to our show probably know a little bit about. Yeah, if you're a fan of the Ravens or not, obviously, you know, the big dude that's always standing in front of Lamar Jackson, <laughs> setting all the lanes for him. That's Patrick Ricard. He's been back-to-back pro bowler. Uh, if they had, they haven't been having fullbacks on the all-pro list for a while. Otherwise, I'm sure he would be as well. Uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, you're obviously someone that we've been watching for a while. I've seen you. I'll, I'll ask you a bit about a game last year in Los Angeles where you kicked my favorite team's ask pretty hard um but yeah uh it's great to have you on and appreciate you taking the time here man yeah of course i mean thanks guys for having me on i'm excited to be here talk some football so uh ask away guys <laughs> all right pat um certainly you know we're having you on shortly after the super bowl everyone has an opinion on the super bowl um we read your tweets um you you gave a nice little message to uh the new england patriots fans uh what, what did you think just uh, from watching uh, super bowl um uh, leading up into it everyone kept asking me you know who who do you think is going to win the game and i just had a weird feeling the bucks i mean you just can't count out tom brady like no matter what who they're playing like it does not matter they had a close game i think it was like week 12 they played uh mm-hmm. by i think it was like 24 to 20 so it was a close game um and man, i just i just had a feeling you know tom brady and those bucks are gonna do something and I didn't I didn't think they were gonna shut them out to no touchdowns that was that was yeah. very surprising and I um I watched the game with my uh my wife's side of the family and my sister-in-law was like excited to watch it because she wanted to see Gronk and Brady do that, <laughs> so for that, down, that tweet out and I thought it was hilarious because a lot of people in New England are still pretty salty that they're not playing for their team anymore and they're playing for the Bucks. And mm-hmm. it was just so fitting that Gronk scored two touchdowns that game. And <laughs> I was just happy for those guys. I mean, I grew up watching them and I still, you know, keep my tabs on, you know, different Patriot players or just a team here and there. Um, and uh, I was mostly excited for, for Brady to start, you know, 
leave the team, go down there first year with the team, and he wins the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> it just solidifies his status as the best ever. So um, I enjoyed the game for sure. Yeah, so you mentioned, I was going to ask you, because you're from Massachusetts, obviously, so you grew up, I'm sure, a Pats fan. And sure enough, obviously, like you said, <laughs> have a lot of friends that still are. Oh, man, I can't even imagine. So uh, you grew up in Massachusetts, but you went to school in Maine, obviously, right? So that was your one D1 offer that you got. Uh, tell us a bit about that and how that experience, I know you uh, I'll get more to your transition to you know playing defense line to fullback, but just talk a bit about your experience at Maine and how that helped you when you eventually transitioning to the NFL. Yeah, um, like you said, it was my only Division One offer. My only other offer at high school was a D2 school in New Hampshire, and it was St. Anselm. And mm -hmm. I visited there, did not like it at all. And I was like, I'm not going here. And then that was a Thursday to Friday, and then Friday to Sunday, I wanted mm -hmm. to the And I really liked it. It was my only offer, either that, or I was looking at a lot of Ivy League and Patriot League schools um, coming out of high school because, you know, I did well in school. and. Um, I maybe wasn't quite as good to play at a big, big school. So that's what I was targeting mostly. Mm -hmm. And besides those schools, um, I could have walked on at UConn because at the time Don Brown was the defensive coordinator. He's actually from my hometown, went to my high school. Oh. So he me pretty heavily and told me eventually I could walk on there. But he's like, hey, if Maine offers you, you're taking that offer because you're not going to want to pay for school and you'll have a better chance of playing. So I took it. Um, and I loved it. I mean, it's a place where you have to be very resourceful because when I was there, it's a lot better now, but I was there, money was tight. Like they mm -hmm. can only do so much for us. And so you really had to work extremely hard if you wanted to get, be a better player and as an overall student and balancing everything. And, um, I also liked how it was in new England. It was like four and a half, five hours from my hometown. So it wasn't too far, but it was far enough to anyone wanted to come see me they had to take a trip yeah. um and just where it was i mean if you've ever been up there it's it's a small town it's in orono maine right outside of bangor so like there's no distractions there there's no big city there's not like all this crazy stuff happening so like you could really just hone in to what you want to do and just you know go all in and not be distracted by everything um and i'm just grateful i mean they're only my only my only division one offer and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to go there and prove myself and, you know, give me that work ethic to go to the NFL and make it. So, um, you know, definitely enjoy my time there for sure. Awesome. Pat, um, in transitioning back to this season, you know, I, it's something, of course, here on our, our show, we talked about so much throughout the year, just how unprecedented it was just from a, you know, for you guys, just the protocols and all this other stuff. Um, as you kind of look back on it, just what, what were some things you just think about? It's like, man, we really had to adapt to such an unusual season like it was for, for really everyone around the league. Yeah. Um, they essentially try to put us in a bubble. Like the way the protocols went, like we had to get tested for COVID every single day, every day. Yeah. And, but it, it's not as crazy as people think like, it's a, it's a nasal swab, but it only goes up like a little bit in your nose. It doesn't go all the way up. So it wasn't as bad, yeah. but I mean, dealing with the protocols is kind of crazy. Like they, towards like the middle of the season, once some teams had outbreaks, like after the Titans had their big outbreak, the NFL started changing some rules around. And so they classified like the building by tiers. So like tier one, tier two, tier three, tier one was like all the players, coaches, and like pretty much the most essential people in the building were tier one. And they made a rule to where 
tier one personnel could not hang out with each other outside of the facility or we could get mm-hmm. like refined, mm-hmm. even bended, like get the whole organization in trouble. So that, I, that was pretty challenging because a lot of people, I mean, they had to be away from their families. Like some people's families, they even weren't even in the area. They were back where they're from. So people were away from their families for six months at a time. Um, and I mean, I think just dealing day-to-day business in the building was more challenging. And then on top of it, um, not having fans at games was kind of a big deal because, you know, you feed off their energy. It, it makes the game fun. Um, and it's different for fans too. I mean, they have to, they have to watch it from home. They can't even go to the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like also too, like we do events, like we have events for like either fundraisers or, or people's foundations or even just like autograph signings or meet and greets. Like we couldn't do any of that. So it was, it was just weird. It was just different. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think the NFL did a good job to where we could have a season and still finish the whole season, not have too many crazy cases. Like, unfortunately, the Ravens, we had an outbreak. Yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. Had COVID. Um, it was on Thanksgiving. I was positive. So, <laughs> great Thanksgiving. Um, right. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too crazy. I mean, I'm just, hopefully now moving forward, we don't have to deal with a lot of those protocols because some of them were, were kind of wild. Like we had to wear these little chips called connects yeah. on ran for it. And if we didn't have it on us at all times and something happened or we didn't have it on practice, they can fine us like $15,000. Like it's just insane. Like mm. just that, like if we're caught with not having our mask on in the building and the NFL checks all of the cameras, they can find us $50,000. Like you just think <laughs> have to deal with all this stuff like it's like oh my gosh like you had to be so like just vigilant with everything all the time because you're just constantly being watched and you don't you don't want to get one of those fines that's that's for sure (laughs) but yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i know you guys obviously deal with it like you're saying though that's probably why like i know what happened with the broncos they couldn't because i think all their quarterbacks were together that was why that ended up happening you guys at least didn't have Every, that's you know that's the reason I guess you at least had most of your position group able to play I know the receivers were right the most hit on the group but I know yeah Major League Baseball is doing that this year I believe with the same thing with the chip and all that although they were way behind the NFL obviously so much money on the line that's a big reason uh, but you, yeah you mentioned the fans I know obviously not as you know at your guys' home games but you played in probably the at least for our opinion the game of the year when you guys beat the Browns in Cleveland at least there were some fans at that one that I mean how, you know, in terms of experience of your favorite games that you've ever played in, where would you rank that one? Um, in my NFL career? Yeah. Um, definitely, it's definitely top, top three. I mean, just that game is insane. Like, just, yeah. Yeah. like for us too, like as a team, we couldn't lose. Like we had, could not lose. We were, I think seven and five and going there, we knew they were a great team. Like we played them week one. Mm-hmm. And so we went to what week? I don't know, 13, 14, yeah. what we knew, like they're a way better team and the game was a complete shootout the whole time. Like mm-hmm. and they were just so good. Like Kareem Hunt <laughs> and Nick Chubb duo, like yeah. unbelievable. It's so hard to stop. And like and for us to have that shootout with them and then the whole Lamar Jackson <laughs> coming out on board that and that play with Hollywood like and and then they and then they go down and score again and we mm-hmm. have to go back and score again like and then Tucker just stealing the deal like yeah. you know, I mean it, it was unbelievable that was probably the 
one of my favorite wins all year for sure. Were you on the field for the play when McSorley got hurt and then obviously Lamar came like running back out or were you on, on the bench for that one? So I was, I was in on the drive and mm-hmm. week before that against the Cowboys, I had a stinger and singers, you know, once you get them, you're more prone to get them because you're irritated that nerve that caused yeah. the stinger. And that actually that drive, the literally the play before Trace gets hurt, I got mm-hmm. another, and it was uh-huh. bad enough to get off the field and get evaluated. So I'm in the tent, and then I'm like, oh god, Trace got hurt because I heard it, and then all of a sudden I I like get out of the tent and I see, I'm like, oh Lamar's back, <laughs> oh it's four, <laughs> oh and then and all happened. I was on the field. <laughs> oh man, that's insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mentioned before, uh, obviously, that Rams-Ravens game. In terms of dominating performances, I've per- I mean, I've been to a number of NFL games, seen shootouts usually with the, some of those Rams teams from 2017-18. In terms of a physical domination, you guys were a machine. I mean, in terms of – I mean, that year, obviously, you're the one seed in the AFC. Was that maybe, like, one of the best games you guys played that season, in your opinion, in terms of a full, complete performance? Just everything, at least from – I'm sitting in one of the end zones and the holes that I'm seeing this is before I really knew, you know, your whole story and everything. You're kind of emerging as a, uh, obviously pro bowler that year, but it was just like straight up from the, the angle I had in the end zone. You could straight up see the lanes every single time. And that came from Mark Ingram and uh, for Lamar. Yeah. I mean, we didn't punt. Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that one stat alone just shows like how dominant we were. We're converting on third downs. Every time we got the red zone, we score touchdowns. Our defense just, just stuffed them and caused turnovers. Um, and it was a Monday night game in the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And it was that point where our, our season, we started to roll. And then we did that. And the Rams were a good team. And mm-hmm. as that at their place, Monday night, it was uh, it was awesome. And it really, it really propelled our whole rest of our season. And then obviously we all know what happens in the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think that was probably the most complete game we had all year last year for sure. At, um, you know, with Lamar, you've been there since he's been there. And, and I know, you know, obviously the different players come and go, but just for you, just seeing him progress, you know, as the leader of that offense for you guys, what's it been like just to, to watch him year to year and see some of the things that he's certainly uh, really taken his game to, to that next level? Yeah. Um, I mean, when he first got here, everybody didn't think he was a quarterback besides the Ravens and maybe other teams that are interested, but overall a lot of media and analysts and other organizations didn't see him as a quarterback. So I think him coming, he was already super humble and he just wanted to work. And when he first got here, you saw the raw talent and the way he moved and just, and his leadership too, like guys kind of corral around him just because he's, he's, he's one of those guys where he doesn't, want to be like above anybody or a leader he wants to be part of the team he wants to be like everybody else and just does his thing and everyone kind of respects that and want to play for him but um i mean when he first got here he you know struggled just even like with a play call i remember one time in otas so otas is like kind of like a spring like our spring ball Mm -hmm. and he like literally messed up the play call like three or four times like he had to keep doing and doing it so just seeing that and then um, his rookie year when he got thrown in probably six weeks left in the season because Joe got hurt. And I mean, he won like five out of six of our games, just, just being yeah. just unnatural, just talent and just, you know, getting his scout looks and then transition from year one to year two, just see how big of a jump he had just because 
he was officially the starter. He was officially getting all the reps with the ones, all this whole spring, all of camp. He was getting everything. And just to see his his the way he's developing in his passing game overall, just the offense and also the coaching staff, uh, Greg Roman became the offensive coordinator his second year. So he was able to really just blend everything together for him and the whole offense. And then to see him get the MVP his second year after two years before that, everybody doubted he could even be a quarterback. And now he's winning the MVP. And then, um, and then now we have this year, um, you know, people can say Rocky star and all this stuff and whatever. And regardless, we still went to the playoffs, still won his first game against a team that we've lost twice to now. And, um, you know, I think he's slowly just silencing the, the doubters he's had. Um, but I mean, regardless, it doesn't matter because people still doubt Tom Brady. Like, do one seven. Yeah. <laughs> people are still going to be like, oh, Tom this, Tom that. It's going to be the same with Lamar. You know, maybe his style of play is different than most quarterbacks. Yeah, he runs the ball a lot. But guess what? He runs it very well. So, like, mm-hmm. why would you do that with him? It makes our offense more explosive, more dynamic. We, he, he can run it. He can give it to Jacob Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Me and Nick Boyle lead block for him, or he could pass it to any of our receivers or tight ends and, like, um, but yeah, I mean, shoot, he's a great guy. He's in the crazy thing too. He's so young. I think he just turned 24. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> right. So young. Like, like, I think it was, um, I think Payne Manning went to the playoffs three times and didn't win one game and like all this mm-hmm. stuff. But like people to critique him for all that stuff. Like it's just, it's, it's whatever. It honestly, I don't think it bothers him. Like he just cares about winning and just cares about being a good teammate and, that's all he works on and cares about. So I'm um, definitely happy to be his teammate for sure. He's a good guy. Yeah, awesome. Uh, obviously, uh, your role in the offense with Greg Roman, I know you guys go back from when you first signed with the Ravens, right? He was the run game coordinator at the time and kind of pulled you in and had you start doing some of those fullback drills. Did he have any idea that you had uh, at least high school experience playing fullback or did he just kind of see a big body and was like, oh, maybe this, let's throw this guy in here and see how this works? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I, I, my first week of OTAs, my rookie year, I was undrafted defensive lineman mm-hmm. out of me. And I'm just trying to make the team. I'm trying to make an impression, show them like, hey, I can play. I know the plays. I can do it well. I can, I'm physical. I, I, I run mm-hmm. the ball. I, I'm a good teammate, all this stuff. So probably a weekend and he comes up to me in the hallways. And and at this time too, just to give you a little more backstory, um, Kyle Juszczyk was the fullback here and he signed a big contract extension, a uh, big contract in the off season with 49ers. And mm-hmm. all they had left for a fullback was a undrafted rookie and a running back who they're trying to convert to a fullback. And after a week of seeing them, they were probably like, mm, we might have to maybe try to see somebody else or something. So that's when they tried me at the position. Yeah. And yeah. Craig Roman came up to me in the hallway and he's just like, Hey Pat, we're going to tell you a rep at fullback. And it's just going to be like, a 90 lead. So you're going to line up in the eye and it's going to lead up on the mic. And that's pretty much all they told me. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so then the, the play happens. And, and like, for me, like, I think the reason why I've had success in this league, because I've made the most of my opportunities, whenever I've been given an opportunity for the most part, I've done well. And what happened was that one play, um, Willie Henry was our three technique at the time. And as soon as the ball was snapped, he like broke into our backfield right away. And I like instinctively like pushed him yeah. out of the way and then let up on the mic and got the mic and the, and the ball carriers followed me perfectly. And mm-hmm. for me also just being kind of a smart 
player trying to make an impression. As soon as that play happened, I went right next to Harbaugh because Harbaugh sits. So when we're having plays in practice, the plays are happening 15 yards back. We're all on the field, and it's like split in the middle. Offense mm-hmm. on this side, defense on the other side, all watching the plays happen. Yeah. And he's right in the middle. So I stood right next to him, and he was like, hmm. He's like, that looked pretty good. He's like, have you done that before? I'm like, yeah, I actually did it in high school. And as soon as it said that, you could tell he was like, slowly started like thinking and saying, like, oh, okay, he's done this before. He did it pretty well. Okay. So then after that, I started to get more reps. I started to get more reps at fullback and also some, some tight end stuff because uh, Greg Roman was a tight ends coach and the run game coordinator. So he wanted me to do a little bit of both. And then, I mean, after that, I probably didn't do too much until training camp, even a week into training camp, my rookie year, I still didn't do that much. It was all defense. And then probably I think the second or third game, they gave me some reps in the game and it was against the dolphins and, I don't know what was going on, but I've never had like five pancakes. Like I was just <laughs> like beginner's luck. Like I'm just kind of out there, just like instinctively trying to do things. But I did very well. And then at that point, they kind of gave me my own my own package. It was like I was wearing number ninety one, and it was like base mm-hmm. ninety. I would go in, have to like be eligible to get in there, and and um, I did, I did well enough in the rest of the training camp, but I made the team my rookie year as a fullback in an emergency defensive line. And then I did that for three years. And last year I was able to play more defense and offense. And then obviously, you know, I was doing very well on offense. So I started playing mostly offense. And then this off season, that's when they completely just put me on offense. Mm-hmm. So as well as it worked out for you, man, it sounds like they got pretty fortunate in Baltimore with Kyle <laughs> leaving. And then you just step in They're Like we didn't even draft this guy. He comes in immediately fills in exactly what we need. So obviously Juszczyk is a great receiver out of the backfield. You start, especially I know in the Titans playoff game, you had three catches that one of those big drives. Uh, do you think that'll be a decent uh, part of the package? Maybe this year you'll add that to it um, in Baltimore in terms of obviously most of the time the defender is going to think you're, they're also worried about you running them over. If you just kind of slip out past them, that gives a nice little variation to a lot of what you guys do in your offense. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about me too is I didn't play offense in college. So yeah. like, me from my rookie year to now like I've learned so much just like even like basic things that like guys have been doing since Pop Warner I've never done and I'm expected to do it against the elite athletes who have been mm-hmm. playing so long and it's like so I've grown a lot in the passing game and certain things with like my route running and just certain things so hopefully this year I can just keep expanding my role like I've done every year and just keep you know running more routes get better at them to where mm-hmm. I can do them in the games and um I mean, I think that I've shown I've had some success in the passing game. So it's like, why not just keep, you know, expanding my role there? So, I mean, we'll see what happens when we get down there. And um, we don't even know if we're going to have no TAs. It might be all virtual. Mm-hmm. Again. Yep. I mean, see what happens, but I'm, I'm ready for whatever. So. And then my last uh, kind of fullback focus question, I know you've talked about fullback assist a decent amount. We talk a decent amount on our podcast about fantasy football kind of stuff for our audience. <laughs> do you believe that uh, this is just an idea I put down? Do you think fullback assist should become a part of fantasy football? <laughs> I, think, I think any blocking mm-hmm. should, be, should be a stat. Even for linemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Line, yeah. like, they a lot of stuff. They get no gore or nothing. Like, it's insane. Like, half the time running back to get a 20 yard touchdown and not even be touched. And it's like, Oh, the running back so great. It's like that blocking was amazing. Like whoever blocked all this stuff. So I think, I think there should be some changes for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause it can also 
fans knowing players, um, recognizing players that people don't know about, and then also for contracts to say, oh, he's he's very good at you know whatever. So I think you know I think it's cool that uh, is it Barstool that's been doing it or yeah, fullback assist, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty sweet. It just gives more recognition to positions that don't get it very often. So I'm it is a bit unfair. Like it feels like a lot of the time when there's people highlighting offensive line player or any blocking, it's when there's like mistakes. Like everyone's talking about the Chiefs now and the and the Super Bowl. Like oh, it's not Pat's fault, which of course that's yeah, true. But at the same time, it, yeah, there should be a lot more glory. No one's really talking. If no one's talking about you in the offensive line, you're probably doing your job. It feels like. Um, so yeah, in terms of, you talked a bit about, uh, pancake blocks, uh, talked about, um, in terms of your nickname. So I was trying to look at, I heard on uh, Raven's podcast you're on, you said that some of the guys call you party Pat, and then we have pancake Pat and project Pat. So which is it, is there, is it all of them or is there one nickname that is the standard at this point? It kind of, um, you know, explains who I am. I mean, my role here is expanded throughout multiple positions, different rooms every year. So it's like the same with my nicknames. Like at first it was Project Pat, Brandon Williams gave it to me in OTAs my rookie year. And at first I didn't know what the hell he was talking about because I'm like, you kind of say like I'm a project, like I'm a lot of work that yeah. <laughs> or, and I, I, I later find out it's because there's a rapper named Project Pat and I didn't, I had no idea. Like I've heard one song, no, he's a, he's a 90s rapper. So I didn't uh-huh. know. <laughs> And, and then it kind of just, people started calling me different things. Like, I think with some guys in the strength in the weight room, like some of the coaches in there, like started calling me Party Pat. And then um, I think it was, and then once I made the Pro Bowl, it was Pro Bowl Pat for a little bit. And then once I got my contract extension, it was Paid Pat. <laughs> so then this past off season, you know, talking to the agency and stuff. I'm like, you know, I like, I start, I want to start branding because I just made a pro bowl. I just signed a two year extension here. Uh, people are starting to know me. Everyone knows me here as project Pat and I want to start whatever. So we, so we made a, a website, the patrick We have a branding and everything on it, like my logo. And I think it's pretty, it actually came out pretty nice and it's kind of surreal. Never thought I'd have my own website or all my own branding and all that stuff. So, you know, this year, the way I was playing, um, you know, I pride myself being physical and, and playing with the whistle and guys absolutely hate it. They hate it. They think they're going to stop, but don't because the whistle has been blown yet and that's how I play. And I've been pancaking a lot of guys and putting them on their back on top of them, you know, put them in the ground. And I was just thinking like, this is a great branding opportunity because my website, they put on some clothing gear on there, just different things like project pads on there with some hoodies, some t-shirts with my logos. And I'm thinking, I'm like, be a cool shirt if we did something pancake pat and do a shirt for it. And we collabed with the guys on the website and we did it. And then Lamar started calling me pancake pat and some other guys on the team. And that's what kind of people know me now. So it's just, you know, any of those nicknames, it's going to be ever expanding. Probably next year, there should be something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm sure I'll think of something. Or something will happen, so we're, you know we're, you know we're gonna have it. But right now, yeah, pancake pass kind of my go-to right now. Yeah, no, that shirt's pretty sweet. I've seen the pancake one. Obviously, yeah. party pat. You can make one work with that. Maybe put a little party <laughs> hat on you. There's all sorts of things you can do there. Exactly. Um, I think that's what we need, oh, Dylan. Dylan, we we have him on the podcast. He's he's podcast pat now. Let's get oh, some gear. Go. Let's get some merch for that. So <laughs> I need to get his merch. Like I was saying, if we if we have Pat on again, I'll I'll have the shirt on that time. Uh, I'm gonna say the last question, kind of random thing I 
put down here. There was a story that a lot of people covered when you uh, during I think it was during the season, obviously during quarantine, where you had an order from Outback Steakhouse be taken by your neighbor, and that was kind of how you <laughs> met your neighbor. Um, I've had I've had the same thing happen, although they brought my, the food to my door, which is super nice. I'd never met them before, but nonetheless, have you talked to that neighbor again? Is there any sort of relationship there? Or is it just a one time deal? <laughs> It's actually happened in like November, like it was okay. recent. So mm-hmm. pretty much, pretty much what happened was I live in, I'm I'm moving now, so I really don't care if I tell people. So I live in a townhouse, so like all the townhouses are all the same, and sometimes they accidentally drop it off to my neighbor's house. So it's happened a few times, and I have a ring on my my door, so I know mm-hmm. somebody walks over, takes my food or whatever. So I ordered it, and it says I got dropped off because DoorDash when they drop it off, they send you a text and a picture of where they dropped it off. So I go outside and I'm like looking around, I'm like, still my food? And then I look at the picture and I'm like, that's my neighbor's doormat and my food is not there. So then I knock on the door <laughs> times and doesn't answer. So then I'm like, okay, I call my wife and she's like, no, he probably has it or knows where it is because it wouldn't just vanish from his doorstep. So then I knock again a bunch of times, like I'm knocking loud and yeah. pressing. <laughs> And all of a sudden he comes out. And at that point, I know he has it because why did he not enter the door the first time? So now I just, I just straight up accuse him. I show him the picture. I'm like, where's my food and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. He gets all nervous and like, doesn't make sense. Like, start talking and stuff. And then he finally like, says like, yeah, I have it upstairs. I'll bring it down. Brings it down to me. And it's already on a plate. You already took all my food out and put it <laughs> like a paper plate and try to eat it. It's been like five, 10 minutes since it was dropped off. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So then I try to explain to him, I'm like, I'm like, I don't want this to happen again. Like, and then all of a sudden he started to get like all hot and pressed and like got my face a little bit. And I'm like, I'm like you're, you're so wrong right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you stole my food. Like, what are you talking about? So then pretty much, uh, long story short, the next night I get someone knocking on my door at like 10 o'clock and it's a lady. And I'm like, what the heck? Go downstairs. It's his mother. That my, my neighbor is his mother. And this dude is like my age. He looks like the 20s, late 20s, whatever. And I don't know if he lives with her or he stays there sometimes, but she apologized and and for all this. And I don't ever really see him anyways. They're never really outside or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I just put on Twitter and then Twitter ate it up. Yeah. <laughs> Football, the New York Post took it. Like, mm-hmm. And then um, DoorDash reached out to me. Outback reached out to me. And then... Uh, Green Turtles, a local like pub in the area, reached out to me. So I mean, I I turned out pretty well. So hopefully, throws <laughs> my food again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was crazy, dude. Just don't Amazing. take if it's not yours. It's on yeah, and it usually <laughs> says your name on it. It's not like you couldn't have seen like, oh, this address is written down. <laughs> yeah, like, either don't take it or put it inside and then just wait and see if somebody you know knocks on the door. Mm-hmm. Hey, is she food anywhere? You know, I don't know. Crazy, but. Well, we, we, we know someone that's going to be excited that you're moving then. So at least <laughs> at least one or two people. So, <laughs> uh, Pat, man, this has been a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, but before we, we hop off here, you've obviously talked about the website, uh, thepatrickcard.com. Uh, you've got all kinds of stuff over there. The, the pancake shirts, like we mentioned, you got masks, you got all sorts of stuff. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we hop off here? Yeah, so besides that, all my social media is all PRIC, P-R-I-C, 508. And on top of that, I also do cameos. So if anyone needs a personalized video from myself for anything, Valentine's Day is coming up. So people yep. email 
you have video and something quick for a president, I'll do it for you guys. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's all on my website. Everything's on there. So it's a lot easier as well. Go on. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I got through all the things I wrote down here. So yeah, no, again, really appreciate it, Pat, <laughs> man. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you as well. All right. Uh, thanks to uh, Pat Ricard for joining us uh, here on the podcast. Dylan, that was uh, a lot of fun to get some insight into him. And uh, best of all, uh, to get some great advice on not stealing uh, your neighbor's uh, food. I thought that that was very important to know. Yeah, no, he was great. Super nice, really thorough answers. And he was a good sport with all the uh, kind of different things we brought up. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it was for sure. And uh, we hopefully we'll get him back on here soon. Hopefully we'll get some more uh, players uh, in the works here to have on the podcast as we go throughout the offseason. As we always say, um, the NFL offseason is just nuts. But uh, we still want to talk to some players as uh, all the craziness mm -hmm. is going on around it. So uh, Dylan, a lot of stuff going on over Clutch Points. Uh, as we said, we'll have everything covered um, on the NFL offseason. Uh, NBA in full swing, baseball about to start, uh, all kinds of stuff happening over Clutch Points. Yeah, with spring training about to start, you can follow baseball games in the Clutch Points app. All the NBA games, uh, the ones that don't get postponed, you can follow those in the app. As Blake noted, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage of the NFL on both in the app and the NFL section there on clutchpoints.com, on the NFL tab. Plenty of stuff looking at, yeah, so many rumors, so many quarterback things. And now we have, I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. I know we haven't really talked about that on our podcast yet, but that's the latest, that's the latest rumor that by the time you guys yep. listen to this, uh, it'll be a couple of days later. So we'll see what happens by then. Maybe there'll be another quarterback that's and uh, the rumors. But yeah, we got it all covered at Clutch Points. A lot of draft coverage coming up as well. So yeah, it should be fun. One thing we do know is Lamar Jackson's not getting traded. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we, we didn't ask Pat that, but I think he could have confirmed um, any, any rumors out there that uh, that was going to happen. So uh, yeah, check everything out over at Clutch Points and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anywhere, just search for Establish the Pass. You can find us on there. Uh, we do this a couple times a week uh, here and throughout the offseason. So uh, lots of great football stuff uh, to bring to you. So be sure to subscribe for absolutely free on any of those platforms. And uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Pass podcast.